I trust you're having a good day. We're in a very interesting time in, in our world right now, and we're going to address that a little bit in a bit. But uh, first of all, I want to thank you as a church for supporting Refresh Ministries. We appreciate it very much. Uh, just a couple of updates about where things have been happening over the last uh, few weeks. Um, well, how, let me preface that by saying during the pandemic, one thing that was revealed was that a lot of the smaller churches in the region are going to have a tough time. And they're going to have a tough time because just supporting a pastor, finding a pastor, there's a real lack of pastors right now. And uh, just supporting a pastor, even if they could find one, is going to be a real challenge. So kind of to respond to that, I've done a couple of what I call high-impact sermon preaching trainings. And so I did one a few weeks ago in Goodlow, B.C. It's just across the border, and there was people, guys there from five different churches wanting to learn. There was, I think, the first night, 23 people wanting to learn. Some young guys, mostly young guys, at least I call them young now. You can look at me. In their 20s and 30s, I would say that's young now. And uh, so we had a good time there. And then uh, last weekend, we did one in Grand Prairie, limited it to 12. We had a waiting list. We were 12 people there. And uh, so it's a refresher for pastors and also a training for new ones who are looking at it or who just want to pitch in at their church. And so it really struck a response. And uh, I know I'm on... I'm getting evaluated today by the young man sitting in the front. You got your red pen ready? Because he went through the training last weekend, and it was great to have him there. Uh, looking ahead, you can pray for me. Uh, I'm still waiting for the Zoom link, but tomorrow, Lord willing, at 5.30 in the morning. I've never taught that early in the morning. But I'm supposed to be teaching a group of pastors and evangelists in India, and they're 12 and a half hours ahead, and so I'm teaching their evening session, Lord willing, at 5.30 in the morning. So pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> and also, this Wednesday, or Thursday rather, <clears throat> you can pray for an event. I've sent out an invite. I don't know how it'll respond if it's... But... Uh, I've invited pastors from the region for an afternoon of, of prayer and repentance. And it's, as I've traveled around the region in the last few years, I've just seen how our hearts have shifted. We're often putting our kingdom first, ahead of the kingdom of God, and it's just an invitation for us to pray together and reflect and just allow the Lord to search our hearts. So I ask that you to keep that in mind as well. I do want to highlight, we have, a book, we have a book table at the back. I do want to highlight this book called Wonderful Companion, Nine Ways Jesus Cares for Those Who Have Suffered Rejection. A huge part of my ministry over the last few years, uh, refreshes now over 14 years in operation, but helping people deal with rejection. Of course, it started out with pastors who've had a bad ending, but it's also now gone wider. I, I just meet people. It seems the Lord brings people across my path all the time who had a real bad rejection as a child or just recently, whatever it is, handling it well in a healthy way is really difficult. And so these rejections end up paralyzing people for life. 
really. I mean, it just affects how they behave all through their life. And so I, Lord willing, be able to get a trilogy of books on it, but this is about the companionship of Christ in it. You can experience the various ministries of Christ in those. So if you have gone through that or you know someone who's going through that, this would be a great resource for you. And so I encourage you to check it out at, uh, after the, the meeting. Well, if you'll have your Bible and turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. I've entitled my message this morning, Your Jesus is Amazing. Revelation chapter 1, <clears throat> starting in verse 4. I'm going to read through to verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, starting in verse 4. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him. And all peoples on the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Heavenly Father, by your Spirit, open our eyes and hearts to receive what you would have us to learn today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Your Jesus is amazing. If you've been watching the news, you will notice that uh, there's a lot of articles about these unidentified flying objects that are coming into the airspace of Canada and the U.S., of course, it started with that balloon that floated all across the U.S. They eventually shot it down, and they found all kinds of, apparently, spy equipment on it. And now uh, there's been two others shot down yesterday morning. One was in the Yukon, over the Yukon, and uh, I saw a report today that there's another one kind of around Montana, but uh, from what I read, that report anyway, it hadn't been taken down. But there is a whole bunch of incursions apparently happening into our airspace. Different aircraft of different kinds are floating in, and people are wondering what's going on. And it causes a loss of confidence. We're wondering what is really going on. Are we a sovereign nation? Are we a protected people? All these kinds of things. If, I, if you read the comments of the, these articles, you see the questions that people have. There's an undermining of confidence. But what I want to talk to you today about is that not only have there been incursions into our airspace, there have been many incursions into our faith space over these last years. All kinds of things that are coming from our culture that make us question what we believe. And there is an undermining of our confidence in our faith space. 
I saw a survey of, apparently it was done of evangelicals, uh, believers, that 83% in that survey did not think that Jesus was the only way to God. That's an undermining. You know, a few years ago when I was taking some of my studies, I was asked to read, it was required, that I read a book called The American Jesus. And this book was fascinating to me. It's, of all the books I read, that's probably the one title I remember. And the reason it was fascinating to me because the author chronicled how down through the history of America, how Jesus was popular, popularly portrayed. And what the author argued was that how culture was going significantly shaped how Jesus was portrayed. Interesting. And then I started to think about our country. How is Jesus portrayed now? I think for a lot of people, they see Jesus as a has-been Jesus. On our parliament buildings, he shall have dominion from sea to sea. But people don't want to hear about that now. That was good back there. More and more, I think, maybe people see him as a dangerous Jesus, what he thought and taught seems dangerous. We have been greatly affected by our culture. But you know what? It's not new. If you look, the book of Revelation is seven churches are specifically addressed, and you will find one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, has been significantly impacted by the culture that they're living in their belief systems, the idols that they've taken on, views on different morality issues, or even just the affluence has caused them to get lukewarm. And so it seems interesting to me how the Holy Spirit, through John the Apostle, addressed this. So how did he address it? He starts off in chapter 1 with this unbelievable revelation of who Jesus is. And to me, it seems he is saying, your Jesus is amazing. We see how he addresses that in these verses. And the first, he gives three reasons why Jesus is amazing. First, it is because of who he is. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. And he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. How confident are you in that? Let's talk about he is the faithful witness. How many of you believe all you read on the internet? We're living in a time when it's really hard to decipher what to believe. But you know, one thing that gives me confidence about Jesus is that he backed up what he said. Do you know that in the book of Matthew, four times before his death, he promised his disciples, I'm going to be killed And then I'm going to rise up again. But you know, this was tested. When he was before Pilate, he had a chance to get out. He had a chance to renege on all he had said. But he stayed true to it. He's a faithful witness. And he did suffer crucifixion. And he did rise again. He's someone you can trust. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. Our culture is dominated by the fear of death. I've seen firsthand 
the impact, though, of knowing that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. I remember one, uh, one time just outside of Sexsmith, there was this horrible one-vehicle accident, a lone-vehicle accident, and a young man's life was lost, and his mother knew that he really had no connection with God. I've never seen anyone so broken and devastated as that lady could hardly, she couldn't stand really, her knees just kept buckling. But I've also seen the young couples who've lost their newborn and the devastation of that is, but they had the hope because they knew the resurrected Christ and it gave them strength to go on. Did they grieve? Absolutely, horribly. But they had a different level of strength. So he is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. How many of you feel like the Lord is ruling right now? When you look at what's happening in the world, we wonder and we question. You know, years ago, this was brought home to me and it was encouraging to me. Is that we traveled, I traveled with my father-in-law. Well, how shall I say, I was his luggage carrier over to Israel. But it was a great experience. And one of the places we went was Caesarea. Caesarea is up the coast from uh, in, in northern Israel. But it's, there is this Roman amphitheater perfectly, basically preserved from the early days. And we went there and we sat in it. And as you sit in the curved auditorium, it's all stone. You look out and there's a beautiful view of the Mediterranean Sea. And our leader had us sing. And the acoustics were just out of this world. Unbelievable. And then somebody went down to the bottom area, the, the platform area where the plays would unfold, and just talked normally. You could just hear it. The acoustics were absolutely astonishing. But one thing that was very interesting about this place is that about halfway up, in the middle of the semicircle, was a platform. And our guide said to us, that's where the story of Acts chapter 12 took place. You remember that story. You might want to read it. Herod came out and the people were saying, the voice of God and not of man, and he received the praise and didn't give glory to God. And the scripture says that uh, he was struck down with worms. And our translator and our guide said, that's where it happened. Whoa. You know, many times you go to Israel and they say, well, we, it may have happened here, or it may have happened there. But this was, that's where it happened. And I remember that. Because it reminds me that there is a Lord looking over the, rule, over the rulers of this earth, and he gives them so much leeway, and then his authority is established. So Jesus is amazing for who he is. He's also amazing for what he has done. It says, he loves us. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father. He loves us. It started, it's a present continuous action, so it started at a specific time and then it continues and continues and continues and continues. We know the greatest expression of our Lord's love was on the cross when he died for our sins and freed us. But this is saying it continues. It continues. Continued the day you were born. Continued the day you, first day you went to school. 
continued this week when you were facing that tough decision. It continued and continued and continues. Have you embraced the fact that you were continually loved by the Lord Jesus Christ? He loves us. He freed us from the enslavement of sin with his own blood. We find it easy. How many of you find it easier to spend other people's money than your own? But he paid with his own blood. He also has lifted us to places of honor. He's made us to be a kingdom and priests. I, when I think about this, the dignity that we are given in Christ, my mind goes to a little old lady that I met in Nigeria. One day we were on the compound serving there, and this little old lady comes frail as anything. She looked frail as anything. Looked like the wind would blow her away if the gust came up. And uh, turned out that this was an incredibly powerful woman. She was so frail because she fasted and prayed a lot. But she had a ministry of rescuing people, a spiritual authority to go into demonic situations and just declare the victory of the Lord. Her Power and dignity was amazing. You know, we have a mental health crisis in our country right now. We do. And there's a lot of people really struggling. But in my years of working with people, I find that people have three basic needs. One is to know that they are loved and accepted as they are. One of the first things I try to go to when I talk to someone... And fill out this sentence. I am acceptable when? And when they fill that out, you find out what they're really believing makes them acceptable. And you will find again and again and again, it's not the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when they understand that, it goes deeper. It's so good to know they are loved. Of course, people struggle with things, sin issues, and we can find in Christ freedom from that. And then people want Meaning, They want to have a sense of dignity. And again, he has made us to be a kingdom of priests. He's made us to be people who can connect others with God. So all these basic needs that people have, as met of, is, which is the root of much mental health struggle, is actually found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one of the reasons why I say to you, your Jesus is amazing. It's not only because of who he is, it also includes what he has done. You know, a friend of mine who pastored in Chicago for many years, recently retired, but he told this story. He told the story of a lady who was having incredible anxiety to the place where she had to be basically hospitalized or into an institution where she could get care for this extreme anxiety that she was having. And while she was there, someone played for her the song, the old hymn, The Love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. Something about that song went deep into her spirit. And I don't know if she listened to it many times, but as a result of that, she got up and left that place in a whole new wholeness because she understood the love of God. 
My word to you folks, your Jesus is amazing. He's amazing for who he is, and he's amazing for what he has done. But there's a third aspect here that I want to uh, talk about, and that he's amazing for what he will do. It says in verse 7, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the earth, all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. This text points to something we have yet to see about our Lord Jesus. And that is he's coming again. You know, when Jesus left the earth the first time, he went up on a cloud, it tells us in Acts chapter 1. And he went up in the cloud... I guess it was the, almost like a UFO. No, I'm just guessing. Just, but he went up in the cloud and the disciples are standing there. What is that? What's going on? Where did he go? And the scripture says that he is coming again in the same way. And it says that every eye will see him. And it doesn't mean like it's a glance, like, you know, when we're driving to, when we were driving from Sexsmith this morning, you, know, you see, you got your eye on the road mostly, but you glance over, you see this, you glance over, you see that. It's not like that at all. It's like every eye will see him. And they will gaze. And they will start to realize, oh boy. For those who know him, it's going to be a wonderful day, a wonderful reunion. For those who turned away, are going to say, oh boy, I missed the boat. And there's going to be some mourning, it says. People will mourn because of him. It was an early morning. We were camped outside an Ethiopian village when I was in that country many years ago doing famine relief. And just before the sun came up, there was this incredible wailing that started. It was one of the most horrific sounds I'd ever heard in my life. What was going on? We had no clue in how we realized that the army had come and captured some of the young men and was going to take them off to war. At that time, there was a war going on, and to be taken would be certain death, basically, or coming back severely maimed. It was a horrible thing, and mothers were wailing because they were going to lose their sons. And there is going to be a bit of that when Jesus comes back. People will see, oh boy, we missed the boat. We should have known, we should have responded to this amazing Jesus. And so I want to ask you this morning, have the incursions of our culture been causing you to lose confidence in your faith? It's happening to all of us, I think. But I simply want to leave this point with you. Your Jesus is amazing. He's amazing for who he is. 
He's amazing for what he has done. And he's amazing for what he will do. Years ago, Queen Victoria, it is recorded, had a chaplain speaking at her chapel. I guess that was a regular occurrence, but on that particular day, he preached about the second coming of Christ. And after hearing his message on the second coming of Christ, Queen Victoria is recorded to have said, Oh, how I wish the Lord would come back in my lifetime. And someone who heard her said, And why is that, Your Majesty? And she said, I should so love to lay my crown at his feet. You see, Queen Victoria understood something that this text is teaching you today. Your Jesus is amazing. Your Jesus is amazing. And so I want to encourage you to resist the incursions of culture into your confidence. And I would encourage you to just meditate on Revelation chapter 1. You would not err by meditating on that your whole, this whole next year. You wouldn't err about that at all. There is so much there. <laughs> I've just scratched the surface on a few verses. But if you're discouraged, and if you're questioning, and you see what's happening in culture, and you're hearing all the voices, and they're saying... Are what you believing really worth standing with? I just want to say to you, your Jesus is what? Turn to somebody and say it. Turn to somebody and say it. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, impress this word in our hearts. We live in a culture that is really causing us to question many things. And like the churches addressed in the book of Revelation, there is a wearing away often of what we believe and how we're carrying out our faith. So help us and renew in us the confidence that you, Lord Jesus, are amazing. Bless this people. Bless this church and help us to live in that confidence and share it with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Linda. Please stand and let's sing about the holiness of our great God. <laughs>